Welcome to another episode of the Greek and Christian podcast. Fun thing about this week, we're doing a video recording. You can obviously listen to this as you normally would on wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll also have the video version of this up on YouTube for you to check out. And this is a bonus episode. We're going to be talking all about Bama Rush. Before I get into it, you'll notice my voice sounds a little jacked up. I have been so sick. It's awful. Um, if you never want to get sick in your life, uh, just don't have kids, okay? Like my son, I have never been more sick than I have in this last year of my life uh, because it is the first year of his life and he's catching everything. So anyway, my voice is, is just, I just want to prep you for that. It sounds different than normal. Um, and to, you know, pile on the misfortunes, uh, my microphone was being weird. So I hope that my recording on my AirPods does not distract us too much from what I think will be a great conversation. Um, but yeah, this is a bonus episode, as I said, on the documentary Bama Rush. Um, and I'm excited about it because I think a lot of the Greek community was uh, waiting with anticipation of what is this documentary going to be about, especially um, after watching the trailer and seeing how it seemed like it was going to be illicit and drop some bombs. Um, and so, yeah, and if you followed along on uh, TikTok with Bama Rush, I mean, you probably already know this, but over 1 billion people viewed, or what, there are 1 billion views of uh, Bama Rush. So it's obviously this big phenomenon. And so to talk about it, I invite, I've invited my friend Cassie Little on today. Hey, Cassie. Hey, I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are, uh, you and I have gone back and forth quite a bit about the Bama Rush phenomenon over the last couple of years. And I just think it's so interesting how like the heightened awareness that came to Alabama recruitment and just sorority recruitment overall came because of social media, right? And um, and like the rise of TikTok and and just the like level of comfort that specifically like Gen Z has around like sharing like the mundane parts of their lives, the mundane and the exciting parts of their lives through the social media platform that just made it so accessible as it had never been before. Um, And so, yeah, I'm really excited to chat about this today because I do think a lot of the like anticipation came from recognizing that how many of our friends who are on campuses across the country doing fraternity and sorority. It doesn't look like it does at Alabama, right? And so I think that's what a lot of the anticipation was, was what generalizations were going to be made about sorority life in general. And so excited to dive into those with you today. Thanks for having me. Yes. And so to refresh at least the, you know, our, our audience here at the Green Christian Podcast, Cassie has been a guest. Um, we did a whole season on recruitment and pledging, and she came on to talk about uh, faith and recruitment. So they specifically as a PNM. And as an initiated member, how can you like connect with God during the recruitment process? Cassie was part of Greek InterVarsity when she was a student at ASU. Um, and I just need to talk you up a little bit more, Cassie. So maybe yeah. like make yourself comfortable in your chair. Um, but Cassie runs her own company. It's called Her Sorority Journey. Or that's the name of your podcast as well. No, that's, um, yeah. yeah. The podcast is Your Sorority Journey because it's I yours. Yeah, and then the company right. is her sorority journey. That's yeah, right. I should have stuck with the first one. Um, but Kathy does amazing things with her company. So she travels across the country and does really great workshops uh, with both individual sororities, panhellenic councils, um, and then through her website, she hosts a lot of. I mean, one, she has her podcast, which is phenomenal. But then two, she's hosted several like online conferences and webinars of sorts. And so I got to actually participate in one of her online conferences um, where I talked about the value of mentoring. So I highly recommend, one, go to her website, Her Sorority Journey, um, and check out the things that she could offer either to you as an individual in your sorority experience or to your chapter Um, because she does a lot of really fantastic trainings for exec boards, chapters as a whole. So wonderful. Um, You're so kind. Thank you. you (laughs) So Kathy is legit. And as a student, I think I remembered all this. You served as 
chapter president of Sigma Kappa, right? Yeah. And then I think, were you on the Panhellenic Council as well? Yeah, I can give you my little, was it rap yeah, sheet? Yeah, I uh, I was Panhellenic delegate um, at my like first year that I could be on exec. And I think that's what really like cultivated my like heart and love for the greater Panhellenic community at large. And so that was like a big part of my focus when I was chapter president the next year was just like staying really connected and present in the community. And then I served on our Panhellenic executive board as the vice president of internal affairs, my final full calendar year in college. Um, and then after I graduated, I was a leadership consultant for Sigma Kappa. So um, the title and the role at Sigma Kappa has changed since I held it. But back then I lived out of my suitcase and I hit like 15 schools or 15 of our chapters in 10 states in like two semesters. So it was, and with many of those being repeat visits. So uh, I got to just see so much of the country and how sorority was done differently across the country, which is also why I love talking about things like Bama Rush. Um, and that's really what just stirred up this desire to help create resources for sorority women across the country, either navigating their sorority journey as an individual member, an officer cultivating experiences for their chapter at large, or an officer of over a community of hundreds or thousands of women uh, trying to cultivate greater sisterhood. So that's a little bit about my heart behind her sorority journey and how we got here. Yes, yes. thank you for sharing that. Um, well, right. I mean, obviously Kathy and I both work in these like Greek life adjacent roles right, supporting the Greek system, and um, Bama Rush was obviously on my mind and Cassie's mind as, oh my gosh, like, you know, how will this potentially impact uh, the Greek experience, and what is, what can I glean from it as well? Um, I mean, from my experience, I served as the VP recruitment, which is a different name now within PiFi, um, and then served as the recruitment advisor for uh, the Utah Alpha, so the Pi Beta Phi chapter at the University of Utah for a number of years, and then actually volunteered for Panhellenic National NPC uh, for a while as, uh, what did they call us? They called us an, like an area, area yes, coordinator, an area, yes, area advisor, yeah. Yes, area advisor. And so that was interesting too, to, I experienced recruitment from you know, a school in Michigan, public university, fairly large, um, and then helped advise a chapter at an even bigger, you know, PAC, uh, oh my gosh, this is awful, PAC 10 or PAC 12. This is so awful. It's I feel 12 so now. Thank you. Yeah. I think when I moved here, it was PAC 10 and PAC 12. You can tell I'm yeah. not like, I, this is like, so I feel like so heretical for me to say, but I'm not really a college football watcher. Oh, so, I can't really. I am such I a big college football watcher. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, I really admire people who are. I know. Yeah. It's an unpopular opinion that I hold. So anyway, Pac-12. Um, and then when I was area advisor for Panhellenic, I mean, I was supporting chapters, small liberal arts schools. Um, and so it can vary. But gosh, before we get ahead of ourselves, I think that's where we're going, right? With the Bama Rush documentary is that this shows a sliver of yeah. the recruitment experience at University of Alabama, whereas we know, I mean, there are some things that are universally, I think, true about the sorority experience, about the recruitment experience, but we also know it varies greatly. And I think that's maybe some of the tension we carried into uh, getting ready to view it is, oh my gosh, how yeah. is this going to portray sorority? How is it going to portray recruitment and how how inaccurate will it feel to me in my experience so anyway all that is to well, say yeah go ahead Cassie yeah oh I was just gonna say I think what's interesting about you bringing that up around the like the tension or anticipation about this I think that there was a pre-existing level of defensiveness that other let's just speak like for sorority women exclusively right that that sorority women had in different parts of the country when Bama Rush went off even like in fall of 2021 like I was making jokes when I was speaking the fall of 2021 like about women being worried about potentially members having expectations of their community looking like Alabama 
just mm-hmm. because of the heightened visibility around it. And so what I think is like reflective of how people felt like going into this documentary, because I think whenever we feel defensive, we got to like, look at why, right? Like, Absolutely. what are we concerned about? Like, is there an underlying like layer of conviction or um, questioning of like the way that we do things that we should reevaluate and her story journey talks about all the time, right? Like, is this normal? And like, what are the things that aren't normal that are creating barriers to an actually inc- the the inclusive membership experience that we say we offer, right? So there's all those elements, but to put those aside for just a moment, I don't think the like defensiveness was misplaced because we knew that regardless of what happened in the documentary, the numbers, like recruitment numbers at the University of Alabama probably weren't going to be impacted, right? Because People who go through recruitment at the University of Alabama basically know, as the documentary talks about, for a long time that they want to. Not That's not to say that everybody does, and I wish that they would have pointed it out more. You don't right. need 10 months to prepare for no. sorority recruitment. You don't need a recruitment coach to prepare for yeah. sorority recruitment. You don't need the perfect headshot or the perfect resume or yeah. even letters of recommendation anymore to go through sorority recruitment. But that's even more so true other places in the country. Like, Mm-hmm. So the element that that's true at even at Alabama, it's also true even more so other parts of the country. Like if you talk about our neck of the woods, right? The Pac-12, right? Most recruitment's done in jeans. Like recruitment, it's the most casual thing on the planet over yeah. in the Pac-12, right? Like I went to Arizona State and that's maybe not quite as casual as jeans every round, but I just, I don't think the level of defensiveness or like concern was misplaced because- sure even though the organizations at the University of Alabama have the same goal, right? We all have the same goal across the country of cultivating belonging, which we talk a lot about in the documentary, <laughs> cultivating like genuine belonging and like being a part of something greater than yourself, not just for college, but for a lifetime, right? Like how to teach people how to be a part of something bigger than themselves for society, not just for college. I think we can all share that goal. And that's honestly what I try to do a lot of in her sorority journeys, create resources that help people aspire to and accomplish that goal in their collegiate membership. But campus culture undeniably looks different across the country. Like there's no SEC school that aspires to have the same campus life as a Pac-12 school. And that's okay, right? Yes. Life, like the community that surrounds the University of Oregon is just different than the community that surrounds University of Florida, right? Or anywhere in the country. And so I think that's just like a good disclaimer too for anyone who's been like struggling with this documentary coming out. Like it's okay to feel frustrated that the experience that you know and love might be misrepresented. Totally, totally. I am right there with you. And I think some of the tension too is that, you know, within the last three to five years, on an international or national level, sororities have worked really hard to change policies or shift policies toward being more inclusive, you know, totally. to women of different ethnicities, different cultural backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, etc. Um, and even, okay, audience members, this is to you. How many of you, when you, uh, heard the word rush over and over again, whether it was on when you were watching Bama Rush on TikTok, or even the name of the documentary, Bama Rush, or people calling it Rush, how many of you, you're you're just the hair bristled on you? Totally, we don't say that anymore. Oh, we don't. (laughs) And so there's just so many things of like, you know, when you're watching it and thinking like, again, yes, this is Alabama, this is their recruitment experience. These are the issues they're working on. I guarantee there are women on that campus who are like, I hate that somehow we cannot get rid of the word rush. Um, I guarantee it. But this is part of like our sorority experience is evolving. And I think some of the frustration is watching this and saying, well, wait a minute, like, actually, my sorority got rid of the need for letters of recommendation a few years ago. And that's not even something that we do anymore. Or actually like, you know, the pictures on our, that we use for members in recruitment, you know, literally Panhellenic just takes a picture of them when they show up. Like it's not, 
you know, and so I think that's another thing of watching it too, is that I would hate for someone who is a potential new member to watch this and feel like, well, I don't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's legit. I think that's some criticism that probably we can take um, and think through our sort of experience and say, well, is my sorority creating a place where women feel welcome, whether they were from whatever socioeconomic background, ethnicity, culture, je- I would say even sexuality, that they yeah. feel welcome. Um, and that just because one experience is shown in the specific way, you know, obviously it's not prescriptive, but how can we take from this and actually examine our own sorority experience and say, okay, well, what are some ways we can learn and grow that, you know, there might be barriers or stumbling blocks for women to consider membership in our organization. Yeah. And I think there's like two sides of that for me as, as it pertains to this conversation. And I think one of them is just like the culture of our sororities and what I believe is a misconception that you need to fit in to this mold. Right. So we we should, we need to talk about that. And I also think when you talk about like the greater, like societal expectation for women to fit into a mold that I think the documentary, it was actually what it was trying to get at. Right. And I think like you and I have talked about this of, I think the director makes it very clear that she wanted to do a, a documentary about what it's like to be a young woman right now in the season. And she did it through the lens of Bama Rush. Now, I don't, I don't think that that was necessarily a necessary avenue to go through, um, or that it was like marketed effectively given the little that we actually talked about the recruitment experience at Alabama. Um, however, I think it it's good information for us to know as chapter recruiters, as communities, yeah. like to be aware of it's like, this is where our members, specifically our young women are coming to us. These are like some of the experiences they have. These are the societal pressures they're facing. So I think we will talk about that in a oh. moment, but I think like from a sorority culture standpoint, I... I struggled hearing, I struggled hearing that women felt, or like even the sorority coaches push that there is a mold that you're trying to fit into, like watching that sorority coach take photos of Michaela so that she would look like the other girls. It's like, that's, that's actually not what I think most organizations that, that you would hear most organizations preach, right? It's like, we want you to come as your Mm -hmm. most authentic self recognizing that if you had 80, 200 women that were all, I don't know, business law majors with uh, interests in, I don't know, bar three and Dutch bros, whatever. Like if they all had the same interests, they like were all part of the same clubs. They all had the same career aspirations. That organization would struggle in other ways like event planning or sisterhood, you know? And I think what's important is when we invite women to show up as their most authentic selves and we get to create organizations that are so um, that have strengths in every category and our members feel like they're like positive contributors for like the beautiful things that they, that they care about. They can even like educate the chapter. Like I remember being in, um, in chapter one day when a girl that works in the study abroad office, like came in to talk about her study abroad experience in this country that she visited she got to be like an expert to our chapter on this country she visited and the opportunities that come with study abroad because she was working in that office, right? Not everyone in our chapter could have done that, but she could do that. Same thing goes with our members who have like a personal relationship to our philanthropy. I'm a member of Sigma Kappa. If we recruited women who only had a personal relationship to Alzheimer's, then we would be really inhibiting a whole nother group of young women from understanding the detrimental impact of that disease. Right. And I think so much of what our organization does is it's like, it allows women to like elevate as experts in the things that they're interested in to gain confidence, to move forward in their lives as they continue to grow their interests and passions to be an expert in their sphere of influence on those things. Um, And so I, I really struggled with that whole narrative that women just need to like fit this mold to be a part of different organizations. Um, Cause I don't, I just don't agree with that. And I don't think that aligns with the values that our organizations espouse. 
Oh, absolutely. And the thing that struck me, you know, there's one portion of the documentary where um, a woman is interviewed, her name, I wrote it down, Diana B. Turk. So she's a um, PhD, I think it under her little Chiron on the screen, it said that um, she wrote a book about Southern culture specifically, but they're interviewing her about kind of the origin of sororities. And my hope is that, you know, at, I mean, as a sorority woman, that was the coolest thing that I learned um, as a member was how we started that, you know, it was at the time when universities were becoming mm. co-ed that people thought women, it was bad for them to be educated. Yet as women, you know what we do, we persisted. And sororities were formed to be this support system for a major minority on campus as women. Yeah. And um, she said this, the, the woman that was being interviewed, she said, they, sororities, were feminists in many ways before that word, that was a word. Um, and I think that's so true. Like, that's one of the things that I love about the origin story of my sorority is that we are meant to be a, a group that empowers women, that supports women, um, not in their image management, but in the development of who they are. And, and I feel like that was kind of one of the themes is that, you know, sorority at its best really supports women um, when the culture at large is maybe attempting to undermine them. But I think yeah. at its worst, right, is just blending into the culture at large. And that's where we feel that tension of we know that this should not be about a certain cookie color cutter mode, mold, mold of what a woman yeah. should fit. Um, yet, well, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. I, uh, I wonder if it was the same woman, Diana B. Turk, um, who was talking, who continued talking about like Rush then in modern day being social stratification was that her or was that someone else I think it was no I think it was her and I was really struggling with that and I think this like kind of gets into like the identity piece and like where we are finding our identity I know like Isabel talked a lot about um like who she wants to be and all this stuff um but along the lines of like the feminism it struggle I struggled with hearing her talk about like Russia's social stratification right like implying or emphasizing this idea of a hierarchy or a tier structure. And then she went on to say that it's like a demonstration of competitive femininity and contemporary performance of the Southern Belle. And I yeah. was like, man, that is not what sorority is. Sorority done well is not competitive femininity, it is not a contemporary performance of what being a woman looked like or meant in the 1800s right like think about like all of the leaps and bounds and strides that women have taken since sororities were founded back in the late 1800s right like now we make up probably 50 percent of most college campuses um not oh. all but many college campuses are around like 50 percent women right we have the right to vote right we have the right to own property like there are like very fundamental rights that now exist that the Southern Bell and the contemporary performance of the Southern Bell did not. And I think it's really belittling to say that Rush is a demonstration of that. And I think the word itself, Rush, implies that that, that, that process or the way it's viewed is just like stuck in yeah. a time behind where we are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. And I think that you know, we said before, like there's been a lot of people who have been trying to work hard at making the recruitment experience. Um, yeah, I think feel, I don't know what the right word is, but I think they're working hard to redeem the recruitment experience. Like, um, that's think, so good. Yeah, I think that there are the social stratification we do get tripped up in that like that is a yeah. reality yet I know that our heart behind it is not to fall into that trap um, right and so I I think you're right is that there are a lot of people who are are working hard to redeem that system um and you know I think that's some of the application that can come out of this documentary you know for our initiated members for the people who are in charge of recruitment is okay how how do we not make this all about like how do we not slip into 
you know, these ideals that culture is saying women should be, or actually like hamstringing us in our development of women. Like, how do we not slip into this, like, whole idea of image and identity and that you have yeah. to fit this this narrow mold to be part of our organization um yeah and I think a lot a lot of that is recognizing where society has told women they are coming into college right or yeah. or coming into recruitment and I think that that's actually a thing I think the the documentary did really well was create awareness around what are some of these big issues that young women are experiencing? I mean, I think it was really important, the conversations that came up around anxiety and depression, eating disorders, yeah. sexual violence. Like, I think we associate a lot of those things as like college experiences, but that's happening before our women or our members are even showing up on a college campus. That's happening in high school. And um, I mean, this, we're not here to talk about hazing, but I think the same thing happens with hazing too in yes. high school sports. And so I think um, the conversation around belonging that just kept mm -hmm. coming up over and over again for each of the four women that were highlighted always came back to a need to belong because of uh the way they viewed themselves because yes. of something in society, not even that had to do with sorority. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I struggled a little bit with the director's, uh, personal, yeah, <laughs> like ins inserting her personal story yeah. in, not in the fact that her personal story isn't true or isn't valid or wasn't a, like a, a huge opportunity for her to overcome and like find um, who she was in college. I just don't think that's why women are needing. I don't think recruitment is the reason women are needing to like figure out who they are, or where they belong. I right. think sorority, if anything is, can be a place where women belong and are deeper rooted on a college campus because, and you and I've talked about this before. It's like, that's a natural desire for us to belong and yeah. know who our people are. Isabel talked a lot about that, right. Of wanting to know that like she had her family and she was this way around her family and she had these friends and she was this way around her friends but she couldn't feel like she could be her full self to anyone and she was waiting on her sorority sisters if it's not sorority you need someone like that anyways you know yeah and so I think some of the stretches that they made that sorority was causing that insecurity was a little mm. extreme, right? I think all of us have that, whether we are going oh, yeah. to explore the sorority experience or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think even in showing, I actually appreciated seeing Mikhail's experience of like going through the recruitment experience and then thinking like, you know what? No, this isn't for me. And I think that's valid. Like, I think that's okay. And I think, um, I remember that as a recruitment advisor and even I was a, a rogama in call in college of yeah, me you know, too. being able to say like, it's okay. Like it's okay. Yeah. If this is not the right fit for you. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the organizations that you're visiting. And yeah. 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 And I think and did I you catch, did you yeah. catch what her recruitment counselor said to her after she told her that she was withdrawing? She was like, I'm really proud of you for like giving it a shot. Cool. Like yep. I'm proud of you for I making the decision that. you needed to. I was like, that is, I, I've talked about this this week a lot in light of the Bama Rush stuff. When I was chapter yeah. president of Sigma Kappa in recruitment, I would often say, maybe I said this on your podcast when I was on, I don't know, two years ago. Um, I believed when I was chapter president that every member that came into our room in the recruitment process didn't need to be a member of Sigma Kappa. It's like, I recognize that not every woman who comes in this room needs to be a member of Sigma Kappa, whether for their decisions or ours, not yeah. every woman who comes in is going to be a Sigma Kappa. However, every woman, I would desire that they leave knowing that they have a friend in Sigma Kappa, that they have an advocate for women on their campus in Sigma Kappa, right? They have like community with Sigma Kappas yes. and friendship opportunities in Sigma Kappa, even if it's not membership and for their decision or, or ours. And yes. I think the same is true with Panhellenic. And I think that recruitment counselor, and obviously she wasn't named, right? But wherever right. she is, I hope she's like getting, giving herself kudos because that is so awesome that she responded that way to really demonstrate Panhellenic sisterhood done well 
because Panhellenic sisterhood is not exclusive to members of Panhellenic organizations, right? Like we should be for all women on our campuses, all women in our campus communities out on or off our campus, right? That's the whole vision and mission of Panhellenic. And so I, I think she did so awesome by modeling that for Michaela. Yep. I love that too. And honestly, like, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, Right. Social stratification. Also, I mean, the tier system, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think having that kind of posture in recruitment, it flies in the face of that. Like that's actually a way you can be countercultural if your campus is really struggling with a tier system Um, is that especially, okay, we know these are unofficial rankings. And if you're a potential new member hearing this, please know there is not an official tier system. It's garbage that that language exists. Yeah. I mean, even in the documentary, it was interesting when the director asked them, where do you think this comes from? I'm not here to dog our fraternity men listening to this, but the fact that this woman would say, well, I think it's the fraternity men deciding who is the hottest. Like you as a chapter member, we cannot let men, we cannot let, you know, outside forces determine the worth of our sorority and our experience absolutely not yeah anyway what I'm saying Cassie is that you know you saying that that being determined that any woman who comes through our door they might not be a sigma kappa and that's okay not every single person is going to be a sigma kappa but they would leave knowing that they could call sigma kappa a friend that they could find a friend in that room that you could support the community at large I think that's really special And I think that's probably one of the hopes of the original founders. Like there was not this competitive, I don't think there was this competitive nature among different sororities as they were emerging. I think it was like, hey, more the better, you know, like, okay, Pi Phi, you're here. And yes, Kappa, you're coming. Great. And I think about that for when we have a sorority coming to campus. If you have extension happening on your campus, how can we have that same kind of spirit of, great, this is another organization that can support and empower women rather than, oh my gosh, like who are these people coming? And, you know, they're just going to take more of the potential new members or Mm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that that's so good because when, when extension happens, we're able to like stand confidently in what we have to offer the community and, and open that additional sisterhood with open arms, recognizing that they're actually like an extension of what we hope to offer. And Mm -hmm. I think you and I can feel this way in the work that we do, right? If it was just you and I having sorority conversations, like we'd be in trouble. Like, thank goodness that there's like an industry of individuals who are wanting to like spread truth about what it looks like to be a sorority member or a fraternity member across the country. Like we need a network of people doing this work in the same way that campuses need a network of organizations cultivating these experiences because a couple organizations can't do it alone. Right. Um, and, and we, we, you touched on this briefly talking about the fraternities, but, and I hope panelistic women listening know this y'all have all the social capital on campus, right? You decide yeah. who's cool, who's worth associating with, right? who's also like safe, right? You are giving yes. them the, the. I think we give our social capital to people when we associate with them and when we acknowledge that they are like worth our time and energy and investment. And yes. so being really intentional about who we are giving that to is really important. If we are giving it to the fraternities or the members who are perpetuating so-and-so's the hottest and you should definitely not be a part of so-and-so because- of whatever reason, that is not an organization that is worth our time, energy, or investment. And I think we, we forget that when we get caught up in, well, I want to be liked or seen or appreciated by someone that I find like socially higher on this ladder than I am. You're at the top, babe. Like literally like panhellenic organizations are at the top of the social ladder on on a college campus. So especially as believers, we have to wield or yield and steward that power like so intentionally to be considering, okay, instead of excluding others or like 
elevating further organizations who exclude others, how can we actually spread our Mm -hmm. arms wider and bring more people into the conversation? Maybe that's a multicultural or an NPHC organization. Like how can we associate with them and like bring them in to the experience that we are having, right? How can we bring in other women's groups that aren't Panhellenic into our like social circle? And the more that you like diversify that group, the less the tier system can exist because Mm -hmm. there's something different. And I think it's important for potential new members to know that there is a system it's called mutual selection that that everyone participates in recruitment. And a lot of that dictates the recruitment strength of different chapters. Right. And that plays a big role in the, the logistics of recruitment every year to ensure parity and that organizations continue to grow on your campus. Mutual selection isn't perfect, but it's a good thing to allow us to create opportunities. Now, mutual selection and recruitment strength is not the same thing as this tier system and hierarchy that the women were talking about in the documentary that is apparently dictated by fraternity men, not the same thing. And that tier system only is relevant as long as people are looking to it on Greek rank, people are perpetuating on Yik Yak, and people are asking... But specifically, potentially members are asking fraternity men which organizations they should be a part of. Right. If you want to like topple the hierarchy and tier system on your campus, stop participating in those platforms. It's that yes. simple. Yes. Yes. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Well, and you got into a little bit, um, you know, the institutional power that we have. And the the documentary touches on this a little bit of, um, you know, the fact that stories and fraternities, we do have power. Like we are actually, that's crazy. I remember the statistic, it's something like, I don't know, 3% of Americans or, you know, Canadians too, but 3% of people um, were Greek in college Mm, of the population. Yet, I mean, we know we make up these crazy numbers, like, you know, almost 80% of student leadership positions on most college campuses are filled by Greeks. Yet they usually make up a smaller population of the campus body as a whole. And so knowing that information, I think sometimes when we hear that, when we hear the word privilege, we hear the word power, you know, it can cause feelings of shame or defensiveness, right? And I like what you said in the beginning, like when you feel defensive, it's important to look at at what's going on. But actually what I think is, you know, you can do great good with that, that I think when you have power, when you have privilege in that way, the discipline for you is to think, how can I steward that? And you use that language as well. How can I steward that for good across campus? How can I be a good steward of that? We're not going to talk about the machine. That's a whole can of worms. But it was a provocative thing in the documentary. If you do want to learn more, just Google search it. I read a few I was going to say, I actually don't think it was that provocative in the documentary because- Everything that they mentioned, you can find on Wikipedia. Well, so I really absolutely. don't think it's, it's a not, good use no. of our time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not new, but my point in saying that is that, you know, yes, these systems and structures exist on campus. And so as someone in, you know, as a faith-based organization, when you find yourself in that system, how can you be part of that in order to help bring part of God's flourishing to your campus? Mm. Um you know, I, sure, one response could be to reject it and quit. And we've seen people do that over the years from Greek systems. Yeah. Um, you know, one posture is to just go with the flow and not do anything different and say, oh, I'm just one person and I can't do anything. But I think mm-hmm. the harder path to follow is to say, okay, I'm part of this. You know, it's not really like God honoring to ignore the power that I have. That's not helpful. Um, but maybe I'm not called to quit either. And denounce it. And so maybe the calling for me in this moment is to figure out how do I be a good steward of it? Yeah. And I mean, first Timothy one seven says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound judgment. Right. And, and I think like so often when we have some of these conversations, it like wants to drive us to fear, right? We want to be afraid of this privilege or, or we don't want the like, responsibility of the power that we've been given, but no, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. God actually equips us to handle that well by making us his ambassadors, his co-heirs with Christ, right? So that we can steward that well, but it's not just power, right? It's also love and sound judgment, right? And I think that's where we like need the Holy Spirit to be like, please, 
Lord, please show me how to steward this as you are calling me, because this isn't for my will. This is for ultimately like my good and those around me that you've called me to like share this with good and your glory. So. Oh, that's good. I love that. Okay. I have a question for you. I've just been thinking about this as we've been talking. And we kind of talked about this beforehand, but you know, I'm sure there are a bunch of potential new members, women in high school, women who are in college, who are considering doing going through recruitment, joining a sorority. And they just watched Bama Rush. What would you want to say to them? Like, what would be like one or two things that you would want to say to them? either setting the record straight or some something um, yeah. after they've watched it? Well, two things. One, and this is like an easier one. I think a lot of the questions that you probably had going into the documentary didn't actually get answered around recruitment yeah. logistics and what to expect. And this just like, I want you to know that Hersory Journey is doing a deep dive into like recruitment logistics, and like what you can expect. So I, I hope that you would connect with her sorority journey to actually like get some of those questions answered to be able to walk into recruitment with more confidence. So that's like a logistics thing. Number one, number two, I think Isabel is the one who talked about this the most around like the identity piece that she was looking for. Like, I, I think I pulled this up here. She said, when I get to Alabama, Isabel, we love you. Like (laughs) I followed you on Instagram, Isabel, Allison Marie nine. So follow me back if you're listening to us. Sorry, continue on. I'm sorry, Cassie. You were reading yeah, well, a she brilliant talks, quote. She talks about God. So I know. maybe she will. Um, A couple of the gals did actually. When I get to Alabama, I hope that I can just let myself be me. And I don't know if any of you potentially members are in that boat of like, well, when I get to the University of Oregon, when I get to James Madison University, wherever, I hope that I can let myself be me. I... I want to, I want you to know that that's a good desire to have. And that's like a well, um, I think that's like an important desire to have to like be in a place where you feel like you can be yourself. Um, or even like, I know Isabel even talked a lot too about like, well, I just like want a sorority to help me like figure out who I am. And I think sorority done well does help you develop, right? Sorority. I love sorority as a woman who's graduated several years ago and continue to like invest my heart and soul and my career into sorority because I believe in the power of personal, professional, emotional, and spiritual development in college. And I, I tell people this, like, I think if the institution of sorority dissolved tomorrow, I think God would still call me to support 18 to 22 year old women. I just, I just Mm -hmm. do. And so if you're a potential member listening, I want you to know that like, it is okay to not know who you are yet. It is okay to like have a lot of questions about what you're actually passionate about, where you want your career to go and look to a sorority or a university as a place where you can do that. But I want you to know that your identity is not found in a sorority. The Zeta members, I want to give them all like gold medals. I thought they like were so eloquent and explained themselves so well. One of them said, Uh, I hate it when people say like, oh, those are sorority girls. It's like, no, like I'm a woman who's in a sorority. And I thought that was really well said because it's not all about your sorority, your letters. When you become a leader, your officer title, defining who you are or giving you your identity. Because when you transition out of the officer role, when you graduate from college, you're going to feel really lost, right? It's going to be really disorienting. And honestly, I think, we all need like a more consistent, unwavering place to put our hope and to put our identity. And as believers, I think that's like, God has given us our identity. He created us for a purpose. And that's a much more hopeful place to put our identity, even recognizing that God can use sorority. God does use sorority. God does use college to present us with tools and resources to allow him to reveal himself to us of how he, of who he created us to be. And I think that's a beautiful thing, but I just want you to know that regardless of where you end up on bid day, if you choose to continue through the fraternity and sorority process or not, that will never define you. It will only better give you potentially the tools to allow God to reveal who he created you to be. That's a really good word. And that's kind of the thing maybe we can end on, on talking about this is, you know, there were these threads of faith woven into the documentary. 
And uh, even around, you know, I wrote that too. I mean, in big letters on my notes, I'm like, wow, there's such a theme of belonging and acceptance. And you said this too, that's a real desire. I think that's a God-given desire um, to want to belong, to want to feel accepted and known and loved. And I love how you put it in the perspective of sorority is a tool to do that. It's not the yeah. be all end all. And I agree with you. If you get your identity wrapped up too much in anything, whether it's sorority, whether it's a friend group, whether it's a relationship, yeah. um, whether it's your major or a your hobby, career, yeah. yeah, then that, that will topple over. None of those are able to handle the deep desires of our hearts. You said you need something more consistent. And I agree with you. And I think our listeners who are hearing this, who are already part of the Greek system, they're already trying to follow Jesus. I think we know this. Um, and yeah. I think there's, you know, maybe a longing of, you know, I, I want to help my brothers and sisters connect with that as well. And so I actually thought it was so interesting to see these little hints of faith and spirituality all throughout the documentary. Um, oh, because, yeah. And one reason I think that's interesting is <clears throat> you could write it off. People could say, oh, it's the South. Everybody in the South is Christian. And, you know, somebody even makes a joke about that. It's Michaela and Holiday. And it's like, well, you know, if you live in Alabama, aren't you just automatically Southern Baptist? And that's, that's yeah. and funny. And you're <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, there are areas of our country where it is more culturally a thing to be a certain religion. But I would say sometimes we can write that off and say, oh, well, on my campus, no one is spiritually interested in my sorority or in my Greek experience, you know, you, you just can't be a Christian and be Greek. And I would say, no, that's not true. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. It's Bama, but Isabel's from California. She's not from Alabama, you know, and she's talking about her faith and, um, yeah. so I think that's one thing. I don't know if I Shelby think... brought it up, but she's from she Illinois. Did. I think she yeah. did. Yeah. Shelby's yeah. from Illinois. Yeah. Everybody's from all over. Yes. And so I think, you know, as initiated members, we can sometimes think like, oh, well, my brothers and sisters maybe aren't spiritually interested, or maybe I have to put my faith on the background while I do this whole Greek thing for a while. And mm -hmm. I just don't think that's true. I think it actually enhances and makes your Greek experience better. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said in the Isabel quote, like, I hope I can be me like I hope I can be free to be who I am and I think yeah you know the best the best iteration of sorority is when you can be free to be yourself um you know as a follower of Jesus and yeah yeah that's so good well Allison thank you so much for having me on okay. this was fun. was fun it was super fun okay last question who are you are you an Isabel are you a Shelby are you a Michaela or are you a holiday? That's an excellent question. Um, do you know yours already? Um, I, you know, I thought about it. I would say post recruitment, you know, this is who I imagine. I don't know. You know, I've looked at Shelby's TikTok. But I'd say I've, I probably relate to Shelby post recruitment. Just like, yeah, I buy everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it's like all in that way too. But I would say prior to recruitment, because I was totally like, not, Green White was not on my radar at all. I was probably more like a Michaela of just mm -hmm. like, you yeah. know, is this for me? And it did. It turned out to be for me um, in my experience. And actually, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, Michaela, you know, I yeah. feel like you, you totally could be a bye bye, you know, at a different school or, yeah. you know, anyway. Whatever, that was me. You could totally be a pie pie at another school. That's so sweet. I uh, honestly, and this is this is not because of like who I was before recruitment. I actually, even though I knew I wanted to go through recruitment a while before, I was very ill-equipped and unprepared yeah. by most standards. I just like had this idea that I wanted to, but it wasn't informed. I didn't follow all the chapters yeah. on Instagram. I didn't like have outfits picked out before I showed up to campus. But um, honestly, I think, this is like so funny, but uh, Isabel makes a comment um, that is getting like mildly roasted on social media, like from the trailer of like, she's like nervited, like a yeah. mix of like nervous and excited. And I've never used that word before, but I am someone who makes up words all the time and like likes to think up my own catchphrases yeah. and um, like rolls with it. So, uh, and also like, 
has a deep desire to belong, you know, and like wants to find a place where I can be myself. And like, I can also really relate to showcasing more of myself and more of my personality around certain people rather than others. And so yeah. I would say I'm a lot like Isabel in that sense. Yeah. I love that. So anyway, love the women who are in the documentary. If any of you are listening to this, like you're amazing. And I hope Let that- Let us know, like, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, seriously. And if there are trolls, just block them. Don't listen to them. You are wonderful humans. Um, and hey, if you're listening and wondering if you should watch Bama Rush, sure, why not? But it's like totally different than the trailers. So yeah. FYI. Um, and Cassie, okay, tell us a little bit more though about how her story journey, tell us more about your resource. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So if you're a potential member listening, as I mentioned, we've got two weeks in July set aside for you to help you feel really equipped to going into recruitment either this fall or next spring, whenever your primary recruitment process is. And we also have a course for you to set more realistic and like substantial expectations of what to expect from a sisterhood and what you can expect your sisterhood will expect of you. So looking beyond bid day, right? So I think we spend a lot of time getting prepared for recruitment, but not our sisterhood or our future sorority life. So we want to help you set realistic expectations that can allow you not just to join a sorority, but to stay in a sorority and be able to go all in because you have confidence in what you're gaining. I feel like I find myself saying this a lot, like clarity breeds confidence. That's true for sorority recruitment. That's true for life. So head on over to Her Sorority Journey, enroll in path one of the Her Sorority Journey course. It's called the Trailhead. Um, and we would love to support you as you're embarking on your sorority journey. If you're a chapter leader or a Panhellenic officer, uh, as Allison mentioned, I do travel the country to do sisterhood, leadership development, uh, professional development, and also member engagement workshops to help you go deeper with your chapter, overcome maybe some like conflict that y'all might be experiencing and like re-amp the morale of your sisterhood or community. So we do a lot of potential new member orientations, uh, community kickoffs, sisterhood retreats, founders days, and more. So if you would like to explore what it would look like to work with her sorority journey um, through virtual or in-person programming, uh, you can head to either my link in bio where you can schedule a time for us to connect or on my website, hersororityjourney.com. Um, awesome. And regardless, we would love to connect with you on social media, Her Story Journey on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we just put a lot of stuff out there for you to grow wherever you're at in your story journey. Great. Well, thanks again, Cassie, for joining us. This was such a fun collab today. Um, and if you're hearing this and you are curious about Greek University, maybe you hear about this conversation of faith and Greek life, and you're like, oh, I wish I had something like that on my campus, or I want to know how I can connect to that. Visit us at greekiv.org, fill out the contact card on our homepage. We'll get in touch with you. And also follow us on Instagram at greekiv, TikTok at greekinnervarsity. And hey, like and subscribe to the podcast. This is a fun bonus episode, but we're going to have a new season uh, coming out this fall. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow, leave us a review so we know what you want to hear. And hey, we'll be back with more episodes this fall.